You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Helen, and I'm Sarah. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast, where each week we talk about a different topic to do with work and share some practical ideas to help you take action with your development. And today's topic, I think, is a bit tougher than we thought it was going to be when we started to research and plan for this podcast. So the topic, which sounds quite simple, is knowing when to lead and when to follow. And it was inspired by the conversation Sarah and I had last week about collaboration, when we both realised that one of the things that can sometimes get in the way of our ability to collaborate effectively is when we're both trying to lead each other and it might sometimes go a bit wrong. And we thought, oh, maybe this is a problem that other people might face in their career. And therefore talking a bit about, oh, when to take a leading role and maybe when to be a brilliant follower could be a great topic. But it, it turns out that there's there's not a lot of research on it. So we've had to like look all over the place and try to come up with some really clear ideas for action. And we think we think we've got to it. We had a few maybe. philosophical debates along the way. Had to start and then stop and then come back to do it again because we needed a break from it. <laughs> so we, we did need a break and our we kind of pull all of our notes together we call it a script but it's not a script everyone it's just a bit of a, a a kind of it's where we keep all of our notes so that we can refer to them for our conversations and it's probably one of the messier ones that we've mm. ever done so um let us know hopefully love makes your feedback sense. yeah this is a really good episode to give us feedback on which you can always do that but this one in particular like email us after today we're just helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and let us know whether this has helped you in in terms of your thinking about your impact or maybe it hasn't and we'll I don't know we'll do something different next time in addition to giving us some feedback there are some other like support resources that can help you with the topic that we're covering today so three things to help you first of all Podmail is our weekly email and it collates all of the different things that we produce in one place so if you ever struggle to find some of the things that we refer to sign up for Podmail the link to that is in the show notes and again, if you can't find it, just email us. You can also download the pod sheet. So that's a one page summary, which has some coach yourself questions on and some ideas for action for you. And join Pod Plus. If you have got questions after today, this doesn't have to be a one way <laughs> conversation. You can join Pod Plus. That happens every Thursday at nine. It's a 30 minute Zoom with sometimes it's both of us sometimes it's one of us but it's always with the lovely squiggly career community lots of like-minded learners who share their insights and ideas as well so it's a great place to spend some time so to kick off to frame today's conversation I think it is useful to be clear about what we mean when we talk about leadership followership and then how those two things are connected I think that makes a difference because there's quite a lot of assumptions that we make about 
especially leadership, I think, and then what it means to be a follower. So the two definitions that we're going to work to, the leadership one comes from Sheryl Sandberg. So it's a quote from her that we both really like, which is leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence, which I think is a really nice way of thinking about leadership. And followership is where you are committed to a purpose, principle or person outside of yourself. So how do we make sense of this a little bit further? The first thing that I think is really important is that you are not a leader or a follower. And this is not about your position in a hierarchy or on an organisational chart. We don't need to or try to need to label ourselves as leaders or followers. It's about recognising that we all play different roles at different times, probably within the same day. So we are all leading and we are all following. And neither of those roles is more important or better than the other. They are equal, but different activities. And I think that's the point we really want to think about today is how you can have the agility and flexibility to move between leadership and followership. Because when you do, it means that you can collaborate better, it will make you more adaptable. And I think in the context of a squiggly career where we're working on lots more projects, we're in lots of cross-functional teams, we're probably working in quite different ways. I think that ability to flex and adapt your style and to think about what skills might be most useful in this situation is really helpful. And actually it is something where, as Helen said, we've done quite a lot of reading before today and there's not a lot of people kind of talking about how perhaps our careers now are breaking down some of the relationships between leaders and followers and then what that might look like for all of us. So it is a really interesting area. So if anyone listening wants to do some research, that would be great. <laughs> Just in terms of some of the things that I read on this, one was completely random and one was more relevant. I even, in my kind of deep dive into this topic, I ended up reading about salsa dancing, which was really random. <laughs> that is random. Because there are like leaders and followers in the dancing. Okay. And I was, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, is there anything that I can learn from effective salsa dancers <laughs> that I can bring into the podcast? The answer <laughs> is no. But another thing that I did read that was more relevant was in the Stanford Social Innovation Review. And what I really liked about that is it recognised the impact that can be made when you have leadership and followership going on in a team. And it talks about innovation might come from an individual, but sustainability is an act of community. And it was this idea that flexing between being a leader and a follower and having those roles within a team actually helps you to sustain the impact. But on their own, like leadership without followership actually doesn't mean that you get the sustainable impact that we want to in teams. And it reminds me a bit of that quote from Helen Keller, where she says, alone, we can do so little. And together we can do so much. I might not be 100% accurately quoting her there. But it, it is this sense of when we come together, we can achieve so much more. And especially I think if we do this in a self aware way, and have that understanding of we can adapt and we can play different roles because I think we all know that we do this. When you start to think about this, you do recognise that, oh, of course, in certain meetings or in certain projects, I'm leading in certain projects and meetings, I'm in a more supportive capacity. I think we all intuitively see that and feel that in our day to day. But I'm not sure we're always as conscious as we could be about thinking, well, what skills, therefore, are most useful? How can I be most helpful? How can I have the most positive impact? 
So maybe let's talk about those two things, self-awareness and then the skills to increase your impact and then ultimately like the collective impact of the teams that you work in as well. So in terms of that self-awareness as a starting point, one of the things that Sarah and I thought was useful was to reflect a little bit on the mode that you spend time in and the moments when it might be useful for you to adapt your mode. So two coach yourself questions to start with and maybe we can then sort of respond to these for you to bring them to life. So the first coach yourself question is about the mode and it's just what mode do you spend the most time in at work? So follower or leadership mode. And the second coach yourself question is about the moments. And that question is, what moments could be even better if you adapted your approach? So Sarah, if I asked you that one, so what mode do you think you spend most time in, leader or follower? Leader. Yeah, I'd agree. And I'd say the same for me, which is which is why we're having this conversation. <laughs> and what moments do you think could be even better in our business if we adapted our approach? Well, I think we often struggle actually informal meetings. When we've got a more formal meeting where we've perhaps talked about it before and we're very well prepared, maybe, or it's quite a well-structured conversation – You and I, and I can think of an example where this exactly happened last week. It was a very structured, we got 20 minutes to do a presentation and we both were really clear about the roles that we were playing. And I think we showed up really well. And I think we both felt like we did a really good job in that 20 minutes together. So I think the moments where I always spot that sometimes we could be better is informal conversations or exploratory conversations where I think one of two things sometimes happens Sometimes we both try to take the lead and then that means we kind of either talk over each other or you sort of cancel each other out. Mm. Or I think more recently, because we've been so consciously working on this, then we both stop talking, which also doesn't help <laughs> because we're so both we're both mindful of trying to give the other person the opportunity and the space to then be heard. I then think we are thinking about that more and I see us both lose our flow at times and it is often where we haven't had the chance beforehand to consciously say, oh, well, we've decided to spend this time together with this other person, whether it's within our team or externally with someone we're working with. And we just haven't taken that moment to go, oh, you lead on this and I will take notes or and I'll, I'll be the person listening or I'll ask any questions at the end. Sometimes it can be just those 30 second, one minute check-ins beforehand that can make quite a big difference. I think we are very inconsistent and ad hoc as to whether we remember to do that. And we're still learning about what it looks like for us to run a business together. And I think we both find those moments very frustrating. So clearly the outcome of all of this is for you to be at your best and also for you to be better together. So that's what we want to achieve. And those first coach yourself questions will at least help you to get some self-awareness about what this looks like for you right now and where some of the opportunity areas might be. What we want to do next is support you with the skills. So Sarah's going to talk through kind of that effective leader mode. If you think I want to consciously be in that mode more, what could that look like with some ideas for action? And then I'm going to talk about effective follower mode. If you recognize that at times it's useful to put yourself more into follower mode, what could that look like and how could you do it? So let's start with effective leader mode. And we've got three skills that we think are helpful. Of course, there are lots more skills that go with effective leadership and effective followership, but we've tried to choose some that are as distinct as possible. 
and that are specific and where we can give you an idea for action to try out. So the first skill in terms of effective leadership is about setting direction. So this is about being really clear on why are we doing what we're doing and how we're going to know whether we've been successful. It is amazing, I think, how often you do work where you lose sight of that. You lose Mm. sight of why is this important? Because why is talked about a lot now within organisations and people who've watched people like Simon Sinek's TED Talk. This can feel like it has to be a massive question, but I just think it's being really clear about why something is important. Like, why is it linked to our objectives? Why does this matter as part of our team? And then once you're clear on that why, also the knowing the how is equally important. And sometimes we do one, sometimes we do the other, but having the clarity on both of those, I think is a really important role that a leader can play. And if I think about all the best leaders that I have spent time with, and back to this point about leadership is not necessarily about hierarchy. Lots of those leaders are not people I've necessarily worked for. They are all very good at doing this, being really clear on the why and really clear on the how. Our idea for action here is to involve, don't solve. So I sometimes think when you are trying to spend more time in leader mode, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to squirrel away and think, I've got to do all the solving myself. And then I need to present these plans that are fully formed, fully thought out in a sort of, ta-da, I've cracked it. And when I think about myself, and even though I spend definitely spend more time in leader mode, and that's where I feel more comfortable, I have definitely still done this lots of times. I can think of loads of examples where I've done this. And I think it often comes from positive intent. You know, you're trying to be helpful. You think it's really important that this is what you're paid to do. You should go away and think about these things. But if we think it through, people are much more committed to objectives that we've been part of creating and plans that we've been involved in forming. And so I think the most confident leaders, and I think it does take confidence, are really prepared to involve people as part of figuring out the why and the how. And they invite people to contribute and to share their perspective. And so that by the time you do share, whatever it is your why and your how looks like, I always think you know you've been successful when it's not a surprise and where people have been part of that process and it feels like it's something that you have created together. And I feel like increasingly your role, if you are leading a project or a team or a campaign internally, whatever it might be, is you're sort of leading that process to happen. So you're making sure that people are coming together. You're making sure that people get heard. You're perhaps condensing it and summarising it so that people can continue to provide their feedback. So almost you're, you're sort of leading, I think, the process more than you are feeling like you need to lead all of the creation of all of the content the more that we can practice this, the more you get used to being in that effective leader mode. And this is not easy. As I said, I can think of examples relatively recently where I've still not done this and I know it'd be better to do it. And sometimes it's because it's the harder route too. So it's easier to go off and do something by ourselves because we're in control of that and we can just sit by ourselves and write some PowerPoint slides or write a one-page Word document. But doing this is the harder choice. And also you're going to probably deal with more emotions and people will disagree and it might take a bit longer. And so I think just recognising when could you play this role as an effective leader? When could you involve rather than feel like you have to solve it for yourself? 
So effective leader skill number two, really good skill to practice if you want to spend more time in leader mode, is about space and support. So I always think of it a bit like being a helicopter, where as a leader, you've got to know when to land and when to take off and when to sort of be hovering. So you're sort of, <laughs> which sounds actually a bit ominous, doesn't it? When you say hovering. I, like, I hate hovering. Um, like, yeah, you know, the... it does, it's, it, and actually I hate it when people do that, but it's the idea that you are there if people need you. So this is all about giving people the space that they need, but also knowing that you're there if they need you. And there's a few ways I think you can do this. You can be a bit more directive. So you can say to somebody, this is how I'm planning to support you. And this is how this how I'm imagining this will show up. Or you can do it the opposite way around and ask someone, how involved would you like me to be? What support do you need from me? Which might even be the nicer way around because then you are able to personalise your approach a bit more because two people could be working on very similar projects but start from quite different places. So one person's response to how involved would you like me to be might be, well, I'd really like to talk to you for half an hour once a week and I'd like to send you an update to get your response. And someone else might say, I'll come to you as and when I need you. People can often say quite different things. And if you do want to make it even easier for people to just get a sense of of when you would like to be involved, sometimes I think percentages at this point can actually be really useful. And that's rarely a sentence that I say. But I've certainly worked for people and Helen and I actually do use this technique a bit already. Uh, I can imagine we might start to use it more. I'm working on a project at the moment. I actually said to Helen last week, how involved do you want to be with this project, this new project that we're starting? And Helen said to me, can you show it to me when you're about 80% of the way there, please? So that straight away was a signal for me of going, okay, well, I'm going to get the majority of this project underway and to a really great place that I feel really comfortable with. But though I've got enough leeway that I can still take on board Helen's feedback and ideas and approach. But by saying 80%, that signaled something to me. If Helen had said, oh, can I see it when you're at 20%, 60% and 80%, I'd think, oh, okay, well, that's involving Helen a bit more. That's useful to know. And I'll think about what the best ways are to do that. I think it helps a bit to put a bit of a framework around how do you do that space and support as a leader when you are working with people, whether they're people who work directly for you or whether they're people who are part of a cross-functional team. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And then our final skill in terms of effective leadership and, and putting yourself in leadership mode. This does come up in everything you read about leadership, communicating with clarity and enthusiasm. I do think that enthusiasm matters. I think that enthusiasm looks and feels very different for everyone. But I think you could probably actually replace maybe enthusiasm with care. So showing that you care about what you're talking about and that it matters to you. I was reading a really good article when I was researching for today that just talked about just how important that care is in terms of signaling to people who are following you in whatever capacity that it matters to you. And by it mattering to you, then it becomes something that matters to other people too. And when I think about communicating with clarity, I personally think this is really hard because being simple and straightforward is much, much harder than sending out a 60-page slide deck all about your strategy as a leader. So the question that I always ask myself is, what's the one thing? If there's only one thing people are going to remember about this project or that I'm trying to communicate, like what's the one thing? What's the three things? And that three thing has to include the one thing, if that makes sense. And then what are the five things and that five things has to include the three things. So you're not just adding and adding. You're getting very like reductive, essentially. You're really trying to boil down and distill what are the things that you need people to remember about this objective you're trying to achieve or project that you're working on. And if they only remember one thing, what is it? And then once you have been really clear about that, you have to A, keep saying it really consistently and ideally in the same way. Of course, you want to bring these things to life with stories and numbers and all that good stuff, but the core of what you're trying to say stays the same. And you have to practice how are you going to say it as enthusiastically the 20th time, 100th time, 200th time as you did the first time. Because in your role as an effective leader, you're going to be talking to lots of different people in lots of different ways. And you probably are going to keep coming back to these same points. You probably want that one point to be in most of the conversations that you might be having. I remember certain projects that certainly I've done when I was working in organisations where every conversation I was having, there would be one or two things that I would, the same sentences that I would end up saying. And you don't want to lose sight of those because that's what makes your messages stick. That's what people remember. And then they then go and say those sentences yeah. to someone else. So on... good when you hear it said back and you're yeah. like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted people to take away. And then that's so interesting. Like if you can somehow get close to overhearing conversations that people are having about your business or your project and then figuring out, are they saying what I want them to say? Because if they are, they can be brilliant advocates for the, whatever you're trying to achieve because they start sharing it on your behalf and if they've got enthusiastic about it and they care about it, brilliant. And that's when you're inspiring followers and that's where you have that kind of ripple effect that you're hoping to achieve. Whereas if you hear people saying something and you think, oh, that's not quite what I meant, they've interpreted something in a slightly different way to the way that I kind of got it in my head. 
that's okay too because that happens all the time but spot that and listen out for that and use that as data to then think okay I need to work a bit harder on that communicating with clarity because the one thing that my manager has remembered after that conversation wasn't the one thing I wanted them to they've remembered something that was maybe a bit on the edges or a bit on the periphery or that person I was trying to influence in a different team they got really hooked on a message that isn't really that important so what do I need to do about that so just try and notice are you clear in your own mind about your one three and five messages and then how are you going to say them and then how are you going to say them with care and enthusiasm So now we're going to move on to the skill of being an effective follower. And I just want to go back to that point around that Sarah talked about at the start, which about both of these roles are equal, because I sometimes think that people think of followership as an unequal role, like it's a bit subservient. But I think followership is a really powerful role that you can play. You can really take someone else's message and give it momentum and just make sure that in your own mind, you're thinking about followership as being a powerful role, because if you don't, you might be reluctant to step into it, which I think is a real shame because we increase everyone's impact when we're able to switch between the modes. So let's talk about skills then. The first skill of being an effective follower is to be able to manage yourself well. And what this really means is that you can take the initiative so you don't have to wait for direction from other people, particularly a leader, um, and you can also act with autonomy. And kind of really important part of being a followership is that you're able to do those two things. And so in order to do that for yourself, the idea for action that we have for you is to really anticipate the blockers that might get in the way of the progress that someone's trying to make. So like an initiative that someone's getting off the ground or a message that they're trying to get momentum with, whatever whatever it is, you can be a really good follower who manages yourself well if you anticipate the blockers And also you respond to bottlenecks proactively. So if I'm thinking of something that we're working on at the moment, so we are creating lots of video content and Sarah has definitely been in leader mode on that particular project. She's kind of set it all up and got the team behind that are doing all the videoing and editing, all of that. Sarah's been totally in leader mode. I am in follower mode. But one of the things that I have been trying to do, because that is a really important initiative that I want to support and I believe in the purpose of, is I've tried to think about, well, what are some of the blockers and bottlenecks that might get in the way of realizing everything that we want that project to be and how can I proactively take the initiative to stop those things holding us back or slowing us down and so for example I've started to already talk to some of our clients about those things and get their feedback and think about how we're positioning them and I'm sort of running with that alongside what Sarah's doing I've not asked her permission to do that I've not checked in I'm just doing that because I can ultimately see when the bit that Sarah's done has kind of finished with what we need to do next and I'm creating the runway so that we can move things forward quickly when we get to that point the second skill to be an effective follower and to put yourself into follow-up mode more is to build your competence and credibility so really good followers are good at what they do and they're seen as good by other people And the more you know effectively about something, the better that you can be, the more help you can be. And that can be, you know, you've got more insight maybe than the leader might have, or you've got access to some information on a project, or maybe there's some people that you know that could help move things forward. You effectively make it easier to make things happen. And that's what makes you a really good follower. 
So one way in which you can do this and the idea for action that we've got for you is to really focus your followership. You don't have to try and do everything to make an initiative happen, but you can really concentrate and focus what you're contributing. A good question to ask yourself in order to do that is how can you fill a gap that your leader has got? So if there's something that they're trying to do, really think about what is a gap that they've got. And that might be knowledge. They might not know about a particular area of the business that you might have more expertise or insight into. It could be relationships. There might be some people that you have a relationship with that you could kind of help that leader move things forward with. And then the last follower skill that is worth you thinking about is the ability to communicate with honesty. So really effective followers are not afraid to give feedback to improve the outcomes. And the the real super skill here is to be able to disagree agreeably so not disagree to be difficult but to disagree agreeably and I reckon it's a fine line to tread sometimes so maybe getting some feedback on your ability to give feedback is probably a helpful thing but some ideas for action to have in mind if you're going to approach kind of disagreeing agreeably when you do this don't disagree with the person so this isn't Sarah I don't agree with you It's more about the approach or the process or the problem, the approach to the problem that you will be disagreeing with. And I think it's also quite important that at the same time, you might provide some alternative options or outcomes that could be pursued. So this might sound like, because we know sometimes it's difficult to put this into action without really imagining it. So it might sound like using kind of if then as a bit of a framework for the feedback. So if our objective continues to be making careers better for everyone, just to give an amazing example there, then I'm concerned that spending our time on X, Y, and Z is taking us away from achieving that outcome. So that would be me kind of framing that feedback in a way that was agreeable because I've kind of focused on the thing that we were committed to. But I'm also sort of disagreeing with what we're doing. So try and think about an if-then statement that could help you to do that. And then in order to provide the solutions, making that conversational rather than confrontational could just be framed as how might we take a different approach? Or how might we realign what we're spending time on with the mission that we set out to achieve? So just think about those two framings, the if and the then for the feedback and the how might we for the solutions. Always sounds so easy, doesn't it, when you're doing it as an example? (laughs) I was just listening to you there thinking, I'd love to be able to disagree agreeably the whole time. Though I did try to, uh, it was actually making me smile because when we were putting together our ideas for this podcast, I think you'd written a few things that I did disagree with. And I was thinking, when you're doing it in writing, it's particularly interesting because I was thinking we not had a conversation, so I don't know if this is you taking some research or is this your point of view and also when you read something I think you do also have a different reaction to when you're speaking because you've got no intonation have you you can't describe you can't smile or any of those things and so I did actually write a few sentences and then delete them and then write wrote some different sentences which you don't know I'm obviously telling you this now uh, when, when I read something and thought I think my first reaction was no <laughs> <laughs> which I thought oh I'm not sure that's really like disagreeing agreeably or, or that helpful and I thought okay so if I want to then be useful I need to then a do that point about proactively suggest some alternatives but also think about well it's not that I'm kind of trying to disagree with I'm not fundamentally disagreeing with Helen I'm going I don't think I agree with that 
approach for what we're trying to say. Could we explore this way instead? And it's funny because we actually created this podcast today, which is not a typical process that necessarily we go through. But I mean, there were a couple of voice notes. There's been different things that we both read. There's been all sorts of bullet points and structures because we were so keen to try and make this practical rather than just uh, lots of principles about leadership and fellowship. And as we said, there's not loads of people kind of looking at this right now. So it took us a while to really frame our thinking. And I think we've both had to do a bit of this to get to this point. Who knows how it sounds to our listeners? Hopefully someone will let us know. (laughs) I do think, though, in the context of squiggly careers and the importance of growth mindset, whilst there might not be a raft of research on this, I really believe that what we've talked about today is really important (laughs) because I think it really matters that you can change your mode so that you Mm. can be both things and you can ultimately be better together. And I think it's quite fixed mindset to only do one thing or only think that you can be one thing so I hope, you limit I hope your you've learning, convinced you all you? yeah you do you, you do limit, limit your learning like when I the more I've thought about this I reckon if I'd have had three more weeks this could have been about a five-hour podcast but um the more <laughs> I've thought about it the more I'm like this is so important and then I find it really hard not to get distracted by thinking maybe we should do some research on this the one thing I did read... You can lead on that. Okay, I'll, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, the one, one of the articles actually I read on this is quite old. It's from 1988. So in some ways, I was like, wow, he's quite revolutionary. But they described some things that you can try out as a team or an organisation if you want to almost be conscious and proactive about this like changing, flexing from leader to follower mode, which I thought, oh, that's so interesting. That's such a good idea. So... If you're working on a project, for example, say five of you are working on a project, you could actually try rotating leaders. So you could say, well, we're going to, maybe it's quite a long project and it's going to take you five months and you take a month at a time. And I was like, oh, that's a fascinating experiment. I'd love to see how that works. Interestingly, they've also found that leaderless groups do better than groups that have too many leaders. So basically, if the world was all a bit like you and I some of the time, it'd be a disaster. But if you <laughs> no got surprise. but if you got lots of followers, people with more of a naturally kind of follower mindset together, actually those groups get loads done. And I was thinking, oh, I've seen this work in things like volunteer groups, where naturally it feels less leader-like because you've all opted in to be there. You know, you're perhaps all playing different roles and it doesn't have that power structure or clearly that organisational structure that can, I think, sometimes get in the way. So if you are feeling particularly creative or you're really interested in this in your organisation, you might think about this in terms of actually how could we almost create an environment where everyone gets to practice everything here rather than relying on our, you know, what our organisational chart tells us to define the roles that we play. So I think it's fascinating. I do too. I do. We should probably not turn it into a five-hour podcast because I'm sure our listeners want to listen to all the other episodes <laughs> that we have put out. So maybe not Maybe not today, everybody, but they are there for you. About 230 episodes, whenever you've got a minute or two to catch up on some more career development. But hopefully that has been helpful for you today. Genuinely, we would love your feedback. So do let us know if you found today helpful. And also if you've got any other topics that you'd like us to cover in the future. So thank you so much for listening today. From next week, we've got our new Ask the Expert series. I think this is the fourth Ask the Expert series that we're doing, which based on today's episode, you might be really relieved that you have a few weeks off from Helen and I. (laughs) And the next series is brilliant. The topics we're going to cover include uncertainty, influence, time, storytelling, leadership and success. So hopefully they all feel really relevant, regardless of what role you're doing or what experience you've got so far in your career. 
And we're going to start off next week with my interview with Sam Conniff and Catherine Lewis. And that's all about uncertainty. And it's fascinating. Together, they've been running this uncertainty experiment where they've been doing almost like this live learning through documentaries, through loads of uh, uncertainty experts. And Catherine is um, a scientist. Amongst other things, she's actually incredibly squiggly. And she's also a multidiscipline scientist. So she's like a neuroscientist and she knows... Squiggly scientist. She is a squiggly (laughs) scientist. And Sam, some of you might know Sam from... He wrote a book called Be More Pirate. He's run lots of organisations. They've come together to really focus on uncertainty. And they've also partnered with University College in London. It's just a really interesting conversation all about... A, how our brain approaches uncertainty, like spoiler alert, it doesn't really like it, but then also why uncertainty is so useful if you can find your way of kind of navigating through it. So it's a brilliant conversation. I'm really looking forward to this the Expert series. So I hope you will get a chance to listen to at least a couple of those. But for this week, that's everything. We hope you found it helpful and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.